Well, good evening. Welcome to Faith Baptist Church live stream. Glad you could join us. Wish you could be here in the house, but it is what it is. I am just very thankful that God has made a way that we have um, a way to preach the gospel, a way to put the gospel out that everybody can see, and a way to even somehow kind of gather together as one. I want to tell all of you thank you so much for the amens Sunday. I was looking for some amens in the house. When I got home, I, I pulled it up and was looking back at the, at the live stream. And, well, I guess it had been a recording by then, but I saw where all of you tagged all the amens down through there. So it might be a different way of getting together, but it's still an opportunity for, for all of you to get together and maybe even do your little comments and, and sharing some time down there. But I appreciate you being here this evening. Normally, as I said last Wednesday, we start out with prayer requests here on Wednesday nights and spend some time in prayer for the sick. And since I don't have anybody here to offer the prayer request, I want to remind you, if you have somebody that you need to put on the prayer list, you have somebody that is in need of prayer, family or friends, if you'd call the church office at 706-884-3100 between 8 and 1.30, Monday through Friday, give your prayer request to Miss Sylvia, and Miss Sylvia will get it on the prayer list. But I also want to make sure that you utilize the prayer list. The reason we have a prayer list, the reason people are there is because they need us to pray for them. You don't have to be a member of Faith Baptist Church to be on our prayer list. If you've got an issue, we want to pray with you, and we want to pray for you. And you don't have to be a member of Faith Baptist Church to pray with us and for us. Um, so you can go to faithlagrange.com. You probably are there now, but faithlagrange.com, if you look in the top right corner and click on Menu, and go down to where it says Resources, click on Resources, and right there at the bottom it says Prayer List. And I would ask you to click on that prayer list and look at the list. Look at both. You have military and veterans and all the different stuff along with some sicknesses. And um, look, look there and make sure you pray for those in need. I will tell you that I don't see one need as greater than the other. And I, I would ask some of you. I know there's, there's many, many prayer requests. I've gotten a few this week. Even just talked with Philip a few minutes ago about one that is a, a dire prayer need. Um, so I'm not saying that one's more important, but there's a couple that I really just need to give you because I need you to be in earnest prayer about them right now. One of them is David Hickox. I'd ask you to be in prayer for David. He's out at hospice. He's in room four. I've uh, been there for a week now, a little better than. Uh, the situation, um, well, is what the situation usually is at hospice. I uh, spent about two and a half hours with him yesterday. He had a really good day yesterday. I went out there today and couldn't get in. I will tell you, you probably can't get in. immediate family only, um, but I didn't realize that they closed at 5 o'clock on visitation. Some very strict restrictions on getting in. But if, if you can't get in and see him, you can pray for him, and that's what he needs. Pray for his mom, for his sister, pray for his children. I ask you to pray for that family. And the other one would be Lisa Pike and the Pike family. I would ask you to be an earnest prayer they need. Your prayers, Lisa needs uh, your prayers as she battles cancer, and Rich and Lindsay and, and Leslie need your prayers as they battle through it and go through it. All of us have been through cancer. We all know what it's like. You know, you all know how much they, they need and will appreciate your prayers. So I'd ask you to be in prayer for them. And this evening, we're going to continue our study in the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been, second, we've been through in this particular book for several, actually several months now, studying through. Last week, we were in chapter 11, and we looked at verse number 26. Paul said, In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. We talked about the perils that 
Paul faced while traveling, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to look at the next verse here, verse number 27. Paul is still talking about not so much perils, but more emotional things and physical things that he went through, some personal turmoil that he dealt with in his body. In verse number 27, he says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. I want to look at this one verse tonight. We're going to spend a few minutes and take a look. And I pray that God would give you a special blessing. I pray that God would give you some encouragement. Um, you might want to have to stay to the end. Don't leave halfway through. I believe that God has some encouragement here for us in this passage. Father, I thank you so much for this book. I thank you for, for your word, for this love letter to us. God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, some won't understand the statement, but I even thank you for the season that we're in. I thank you for the time that you've passed this way, God. It is a season to turn back to you, God. It is a reminder that you are the creator of all things. You are the God of the universe. You hold all things in your hand. Nothing has caught you by surprise. You've not been caught off guard. You're just as easily as it came. You can make it go away. But you hold it, Father. I know from time to time it seems like you have to send a wake-up call to get your people to turn back, God. But Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you've given us Internet and live stream and, and, Lord, even out through YouTube and all the different ways that you've given us to preach your gospel around the world, God. I pray right now that you'd make it usable, Father. Churches around the world right now are on live stream putting it out. I pray that you'd reach lost souls to it, that on this night you might save souls. And God, I pray you'd reach into some homes right now, some people that are anxious, some people that are worried, people, people that have fears because of all that's going on. I pray you'd reach in with your hand of grace and mercy upon them, God. I pray you'd reach in and give comfort, Father. And Lord, I pray you'd take your word and teach us something that we might be a better servant for you, God. That the image of Christ might show through us. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts out here in verse number 27 with the word weariness. Paul knew what it meant to be worn slap out. He knew what it meant to be physically exhausted, to be completely spent, having put everything into an effort. See, Paul was a full-time evangelist. He was a full-time soul winner. He was a full-time preacher. He was a full-time teacher. He was a full-time pastor, and he was a full-time worker. He worked as a tent maker to earn money, to be able to, to buy things, to carry his own way. Um, so Paul knows what it's like to be worn slap out at the end of the day. And then he says um, in painfulness. The word painfulness used there, it translates over. It also means travail. It has to do with like certain kinds of work, heavy duty work, hard work. Not only leaves you physically exhausted, leaves you worn out, but it leaves you sore. It leaves your muscles aching. I know people my age have a really good understanding. A lot of the Wednesday night crowd, this in here, has a full understanding of what it means to be sore and, and aching in the morning. Paul knew what it was like to get up in the morning and be stove up from all that he did yesterday. He knew what it was like to have blisters on his hands. He knew what it was like for his legs to be worn out from, from working. And he, he knew what it was like to get up in the morning and you spend the first few minutes trying to get your back to straighten up. And then you spend the next few minutes trying to get it to bend back down so you can put your shoes back on. Paul knew about snap, crackle, and pop way before Rice Krispies was ever invented. And Paul been through some stuff. Paul's been in some turmoil just for preaching the gospel. Paul's been through some things trying to tell some people about the love of Jesus. Everything that Paul suffered, he suffered as the apostle Paul traveling and preaching. I wonder, 
I wonder what the Apostle Paul would have to say about somebody that stayed home from church because they had a headache. I wonder what, wonder what the Apostle Paul would have to say about somebody that, that stayed home on a Sunday and kept their family at home on Sunday because it was raining. I wonder what Paul would have to say about some moms and dads that didn't come to church and bring their children to church on Sunday because their children had a ball game. Well, I say I wonder. The truth, I really don't wonder. I got a pretty good idea of what Paul would say, and I believe it's the same thing Jesus would say. I believe he'd say, y'all be ashamed of yourself. See, we're right here in this time where people are not coming to church by choice. Now, right now, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're, if you're thinking, well, I don't have to go to church Sunday so I can go fishing. You, you're talking with your buddies, hey, man, we can go, we can go turkey hunting Sunday morning because I don't have to go to church. If you're thinking that way, if you're thinking that you don't have to go to church so you can go do something else, you really need to do a serious self-spiritual examination because you don't ever have to go to church. You get to go to church. God gives you the ability to come to the house of God. God gives you the ability to worship Him. God gives you the ability, and in this country, God gives us the freedom to come to the house of God. You don't have to come here. God lets you come here, and we ought to be thankful. We ought to be grateful. So if you're looking at this as, well, I don't have to go to church, you seriously need to get this book out and do some reading and give yourself a serious spiritual examination. This is the first time I remember in my life where we were told not to go to church. Can, can I just tell you for a minute, thank you so much for all of your text messages. Thank you for texting my wife. Thank you for, for the prayers that you, you've offered up for my wife and I. And I want to tell you thank you for being an encouragement to us. I, I see your post. I see a lot of the stuff. I know I ain't on Facebook, but I'm a, what do you call those? What do you call those? Creep around. Huh? No, I don't be a creeper. I don't want a creeper. What am I? I don't, I'm a stalker. That's what I am. I'm a stalker. I don't have Facebook, but I can look on that church site. I can see, so I see what y'all put when you, well, I see the good stuff you put. I don't see what you put in your personal stuff. But I see what you put on the church site, and I see your desire. I see your desire to be at the house of God. I see your desire to worship. I see your desire to be here as a family. I see your desire to come together. I see your desire to want to put on He's Alive. I see your desire to be here at 552 Hammett Road, Worshipman. And can I just tell you, your desire is an encouragement to me. To see your desire to be at the house of God is an absolute encouragement. And I greatly appreciate the encouragement you are a huge blessing to me. And I just want to try to be some kind of blessing to you. So as long as this goes on, Sunday morning and, and Wednesday evenings, we're going to be right here bringing the full complement of services, Sunday school, church, and everything we can and try to be a blessing. But I was thinking today, I was wondering about those that didn't bother to come for two or three weeks before all this started. Those that by choice didn't bother to come to the house of God before the separation was put into place. I wonder, I wonder if they're satisfied right about now that they can't come to church. I just, I don't know. If, if Jesus were to come before the separation was lifted, I wonder if they're content with the position they had before the separation was put in place. See, we never know when it's going to be the last time we get to attend church. We never know what's going to be the last time we get to come together in the house of God. It is my prayer that when this is all over, that there is some casual Christianity 
um, will change their way of thinking. It is my prayer that when this is all over, that there are some Christians who will have a better appreciation of the freedoms that we have in this country to assemble together and worship God. It is my prayer that there are some Christians in this country who will have a greater dedication to the house of God and a greater desire to be here and worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21, the Bible says, having an high priest over the house of God. Now, Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is our propitiation. He is our defense attorney before God. But it says in verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We can clearly see the day approaching. Um, Joseph at about 55 feet away and Philip at about 60 feet away. We were talking about it earlier before we came on here in live stream. I, I feel like we are living on the doorstep of the book of Revelation coming to life. I feel like at any minute the last prophecy will become the reality. You know what's amazing? We've talked about it often. It's been very difficult to get people to come to church. You invite people to come. They don't come. The church crowds get smaller and smaller. And here's why. People are very comfortable. The economy is good. Everything's good. Everybody's doing well. When people get very comfortable, they get hard to get to come to church because they don't feel like they need anything. And it's amazing how often God has to send things and allow things to happen to draw people back. It's amazing to me that God took this little virus. They say it is one hundredth the size of the smallest human hair. God took a microscopic virus and he brought an entire world to its knees. He took this little microscopic bug one hundredth the size of the smallest human hair and he took the most powerful nation on earth and brought it to a standstill. He, he has stopped the world financially, socially, mentally, materialistically. God has put nations working together all of a sudden, trying to find a way to cure this thing. wonder if that might be a, a foundation to a one-world government. He has um, caused issues in money and currency. I read this week about one country that's burned all their money. See, there's a lot of germs get on money, and it lives on money, and it carries, and it transfers on money, and money is constantly changed. So it's a way of spreading the virus. I've read about one country that burned their money. They've gone to a cashless society, and you have countries talking about how to fund through this little bug that's here. I wonder if maybe that might be the foundation, the, the small beginning of a one-world economy. And countries are studying the implementation of chips to put, and I read that one country is looking, if you have the virus, they, if you test positive, they put a chip in you so that they can track you and make sure that you do stay isolated from other people so you don't spread it. We know, even as Philip and I was talking about a few minutes ago, there, there are corporations now that can put a chip in your wrist and you don't have to carry anything with you in your pocket. You don't have to have anything at all. You just scan that chip. It'll open the door. It'll let you into your workplace. You can scan in the cafeteria. If you go to the, uh, to the medics there, it'll, it'll have all your medical history. Everything is right there. I wonder if that just 
might be the, the foundation of something referred to as a mark. See, I, I just, I feel like a lot of this is the beginning. None of this is an accident. I don't feel like anything that's happened. Well, I know it's not an accident because our God is greater. Our God is still in control. God wasn't caught off guard. None of this caught God by surprise. But what I do know is that we can see things. I feel like we're on the doorstep of the book of Revelation. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 that he called us hypocrites. He called people hypocrites. He said, you can look at the sky. You can discern things. You look at a cloud. You say, it's going to rain. He said, you look to the west and, and the sky is red. And you say, well, the rain's gone. You look to the east and you say, well, the sky is red this morning. That means it's going to rain today. He said, you'd be right. He said, the wind blows up out of the south. And, and you say, boy, it's going to be hot. And he said, you'd be right. But then he says, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it that you do not discern this time? People will say, well, if God loves us, why would God allow this to happen? Oh, there ain't no if God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross to save a wicked old sinner like me from hell. God loves us plenty. And it's really easy to understand why God would allow something like this to happen. Think about all the times that people skip church. Think about all the times that people deliberately choose to lay out a church. I was looking at some statistics from a 2019 survey. A 2019 survey in the United States of America. What is considered the most Christian nation in the world. 23% of citizens in the most Christian nation in the world checked that they go to church every week. That means 77% do not attend church on a regular basis. Only 23% of our entire country say they go to church every week. 29%, you, you stay with me, 23% go every week. 29% of the population of America checked, they never go to church. We have more that never go to church in this country than what go every week. That leaves 48% of our nation that checked, I go to church sometimes. You can check, I go to church most of the time, but they do not go every week. Why would God not allow something like this? Why would God not allow something to get a nation's attention, to get a world's attention, to remind people that God is the only way? God is the only answer. God is the only hope. God can think of thought in, in, in this coronavirus, COVID-19 is gone just like that. God can do whatever God wants. Why would God not allow some things to get in to try to get people to turn their heart back to him? If you think this is severe, you need to read the Old Testament. You need to read what God allowed to happen to the children of Israel. This isn't severe. This is just a little tap on the shoulder that says, hey, I'm still here and I'm still God. And I need you to turn around and get back to worshiping me. Well, I don't know why I got quite so far off on that. It started out with I wonder how Paul would think about people who laid out of church on Sunday because they had a headache. But unfortunately, that's the day and age that we're in. So maybe, maybe when this is all said and done, we might could expect some bigger crowds on a rainy Sunday afternoon. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Paul says hard work and physical labor that he's been sore, he's been tired, he's been worn out from, from the stripes that the Jews have afflicted, from the beatings that he took. Man, you know, it would have taken weeks for the Apostle Paul to heal up from those beatings, probably even months for some of them. As a matter of fact, some of those beatings would have been so severe and bruised and maybe even cracked bones so bad that, that it would have caused problems for the rest of his life. There would have never been a, a complete healing for him. It would never go away. But then Paul says, 
not only was I wore out and not only was I in pain quite often, but Paul knew what it was like to be up all night, or at least most of it, on a regular basis. Paul says, in watching often, the, the word that he used there for watching means sleeplessness. Now, I'm sure that this sleeplessness would have been brought on from a number of different things. Number one, it's hard to sleep when your body's sore. I imagine that it would have been impossible to sleep after those beatings, the amount of pain. They didn't even have Advil, much less Percocet or whatever some of them powerful painkillers are. He had nothing. He just had the pain. I'm sure it was impossible to sleep in that kind of pain. And I'll be honest, it's hard to sleep when you're that exhausted. I, I, mean, I spent my life moving mobile homes, and I remember days you'd leave at 5 in the morning and take a double-wide part, move it, put it, get back together, physical labor all day, get home 11 o'clock at night, lay down exhausted, feel like you can't take another step and be so tired you can't sleep. I have no doubt that many times Paul laid down and he was just so exhausted that he couldn't sleep. I have no doubt that many of the times that he laid awake, I mean, he was broken hearted because he had spent so much time all day long preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, telling people about the blood of Jesus, telling people about the salvation of Jesus, telling people about the hope of Jesus, telling people about the promise of of. God to, to give us an eternal home in heaven, and yet people continue to walk away and choose to go to hell. I have no doubt that many nights Paul would have laid awake the majority of the night praying, seeking God's face and seeking God's power and seeking God's strength, praying for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, knowing that we are nothing without God. We can be and have nothing without God. We have to rely on, on the filling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if we're going to do anything positive to get through the day. So I have no doubt that Paul would have laid awake many nights praying on behalf of others and then praying and ask God to empower him for the day that is about to come and make him a usable vessel. But then Paul says, in hunger and in thirst. I would imagine Paul spent a lot of days in hunger because of fasting, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. And we know that because in a couple more words, he comes back and mentions fasting. So that's not what he's talking about here. I imagine there's many times he was hungry simply because he had nothing to eat. We know that in the story of the shipwreck there, probably one of the, well, it's the only really recorded in detail shipwrecks. And uh, we know that none of the people on the ship had eaten for 14 days. If you remember the story, um, Paul gathered up and he, and he prayed over the bread. He blessed the bread and he told the men, he said, you need to get up and eat. He said, you need to eat some bread and you need some eat need to eat some meat because you're going to need the strength for what's about to happen. He said, all of you are going to live through this. Uh, God's given me a divine intervention. All of you are going to live, but you need to eat. And they said that none of them had eaten in 14 days. I don't know why. Obviously, the food's on the ship. Maybe it was tossed around. Maybe they were sick. But for whatever reason, we know that for two weeks they hadn't eaten. And so they got, they got some food and got some meat. And, and then they simply um, ate before getting things off before the ship wrecked. And, of course, that's when they wound up with the barbarians taking care of them, the snake bite and, and all that. But the bottom line is Paul took everything in stride. Whatever life handed him, whatever came his way, whatever God allowed, that's just what he figured God had in store for that day. And he took it all in stride, whatever the situation was. 
And Paul just did the Lord's work. I'm sure there was times that Paul didn't have any money. He couldn't buy any food, and, and so he went without. I have no doubt with all of his travelings and through the wilderness and through the mountains and all the different places, I have no doubt there was times that they might have run out of food. Paul didn't have any food, and there wasn't anywhere around to buy any food. So once again, he would have done without, but Paul never complained. He said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He said, I know how, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. But then he gives us the secret to his strength, a very popular verse that everybody knows, Philippians 4:13. I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengthens me. So what he says, it doesn't matter if you're eating steak or eating nothing at all. It doesn't matter if you're at work or if you're at home during a coronavirus. It doesn't matter what your situation is. He said, I've learned how to make all things work. And the reason all things work is because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So he puts all of his hope, all of his strength, and all of his glory back where it belongs. And that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then Paul says in fastings often. This is the only time that you find Paul talking about Fastings. It's not because he didn't fast. It says that he fasts often. He just doesn't talk about it. The Pharisees were braggers, you know, holier than thou. I fast twice a week. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew. The Bible even talks about how they distorted their faces because they wanted people to know that they were fasting because they were fasting to be seen of men and not to be seen of God. Fasting is a private matter. It's between you and God. It has nothing to do with other men. It has nothing to do with other people. The Apostle Paul didn't go around talking about it. Fasting is not taught as some religious duty, not even by Jesus Christ. It's not taught uh, as something that, is, that has to be done, and it's not condemned. It is simply taught to be a private matter between God and man. Paul didn't talk about it. He never wrote about it in his letters. He never recommended it, nor did he discourage it. But I have no doubt that it's true based on this one statement and fasting often is that Paul spent a lot of time fasting for spiritual strength. And there's you a secret. You need something to do. I ought not give you this in the coronavirus. It's hard to sit around the house and not eat. Philip and I was talking about that picture the other day. There's like 10 people on the beach, and all of them are about 500 plus walking. It said first week on the beach <laughs> after the stay-at-home order is lifted. It's hard to sit around the house and not eat, but it doesn't change the fact that that's one of the things that makes fasting a challenge. It's telling God, I will de deny myself of something that my body wants in order to spend that time with you. And I have no doubt that Paul spent a lot of time, and that's why he is the incredible man of God that he is. And then Paul says, man, there's a lot of times I was freezing to death. He says, there's times that I was cold. And you know, temperatures get cold even in the desert at night. It might be burning up in the daytime, blistering in the sun. You might die of heat exhaustion. But when the sun goes down, everything changes. Not to mention, Paul would have made many trips across mountains, going to the other side between the different cities. You look at the landscape and the terrain that he would have had to travel. He spent some time in the mountains. So Paul doesn't elaborate on the when. He doesn't elaborate on the where or, or even on the why. But as Paul's talking about these personal things that he's been through, one of the things he remembers, I've been cold. It might have been that he was cold yesterday. It might be fresh on his mind. It might not have been too long back. But Paul takes time to mention that I've been cold 
cold in my life. I wouldn't doubt that one of the reasons the Apostle Paul might have been cold, I would feel very comfortable in saying he probably gave his cloak to somebody. He probably took his coat off in some cold weather to somebody that was less fortunate than him, to somebody that was in need, to somebody that he was witnessing to tell about Christ. And, and he thought about when Jesus said, what good does it do to go tell a man to be warm and be filled and, and not give him the things which he needs and, and send him away? I, I have no doubt some of that probably entered the apostle's mind and he took his coat off, and, and he chose to be cold in order to be a blessing to somebody else, knowing the importance of, of letting somebody see Christ in him. I have no doubt there may have been some times when his clothes were stolen. If you remember last week, we looked at where Jesus talked about in the story of the Good Samaritan where a certain man had fallen among thieves, and the Bible says that they beat him and they left him for dead and they stripped him of his raiments. Well, if you remember last week in verse 26, we looked at the Apostle Paul. He ran into some of these thieves. He says that he was in peril in the wilderness and peril by the way he was in peril from these bandits i have no doubt that there were some times that probably some of his clothes was stolen because paul goes on he talks about in nakedness he's already talked about the perils of of travel and the places that he's been um so i have no doubt there was times that his clothes might would have been stolen we also know the Apostle Paul was beaten several times and that he received stripes from the Jews on several occasions. And in those, they would have been stripped naked. They would have taken all their clothes off their back and beat them on their back. And then, as we talked about last week, flip them over and then beat them on the stomach. I think the first 27 was on the front and the rest of them, the rest up to 39 was, or was on the back and the rest of them was on the front. But they would have stripped their, their tops off and and also in the prisons, they would have put them in there without their coats. And they're in those cold, damp, dark dungeons. And Paul says, naked. That's probably some of the times that he's thinking about when he says that, that I've been cold and I've been naked. And both of them were against his will. So here's, here's what I want us to see tonight from, from this passage. And, and this is why I told you I believe there's a blessing in this for you tonight. I, I want you to... Hang on with me for just a few more minutes. What we can see is that the greatest apostle that ever lived suffered. The greatest, I believe one of the greatest men of God that ever walked the planet. I realize you got Abraham. I realize you got the friend of God. You got David, the man after God's own heart. I realize you got Ezekiel, Elijah. You got Moses and Noah. You got all the prophets. I realize there's some great men. But I believe the Apostle Paul ranks right up there with any of them. And when it comes to the New Testament, he's the one that wrote the majority at 13, maybe 14 books of the New Testament. He's one that God used greatly. So I believe that, that I can say, at least in my opinion, probably the greatest apostle that ever lived suffered. While doing the work of the Lord, he suffered this morning in, in the morning devotion, and, and I pray those are in some kind of way a, a blessing to you. There's not a doubt in my mind that two weeks ago on a Tuesday morning right down here at this rock altar, God told me I want you to do a devotion every morning. I want you to put it out. People are going to need some encouragement. I want you to put it out. And, and I'll be honest, I left there thinking, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But <laughs> okay, so everybody just turned me off. <clears throat> I've never claimed to be super spiritual. Um. But through the course of the day, God made it very clear to me of what I was supposed to do in the morning. So I, I, I do pray that a dev, the devotions are an encouragement to you. But I, I promise you this, 
as I set out to do this because God told me to, thinking it might be a blessing to you, the blessing's for me. Everything that I study, it all turns out for me. And to be honest, I take about two hours worth of studying and condense it into about five minutes. So I'm getting probably a lot more out of this than anybody else. But this morning, I quoted a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to read that. I want to look at it for just a minute and close this evening. Chapter 4 and verse number 16, the Apostle Paul said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, something important to remember right here, this is the same letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is the same letter. Nothing has happened since Paul wrote what we call chapter 4 and what we call chapter 11. Paul didn't take several years out of his life and then come back and finish this letter. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul sat down and wrote, which means when the Apostle Paul In chapter 4, he sat down and wrote, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When Paul in chapter 4 sat down and wrote about the light affliction, which really isn't much at all, Paul has already been through the shipwrecks. He's already been through the prison. He's already been beaten, stoned, and left for dead. He's already been in the perils of floodwaters. He's already been in perils of bandits. He's already been in perils of his own countrymen. He's already been in perils in the wilderness. He's already been in peril in the city streets. He's he's already been hungry. He's already been cold. He's already been naked. He's already been thirsty. He's already been beaten. When Paul wrote this in chapter 4, everything that happened in chapter 11 has already happened to him. That means in spite of all of this stuff that happened, all of this turmoil that the apostle Paul has gone through, he puts them all together and he says, our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, whether you're on a mountaintop or whether you're down in a valley, whether you're in a bright sunny day right now or you're living in the storm of your life, whether you are sitting together in the house of God worshiping or whether you are sitting isolated in your own home in this coronavirus distancing that we're in, James said in chapter 4, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. That's a promise. I know you have a heart's desire to get back to the house of God. And I want you here so bad. Um, You have no idea how much I miss seeing you here. Uh, I'm probably missing you here every bit as much as you miss being here. But that's a promise from God. It doesn't matter what we're going through or what's going on. Use this time to seek God. Use this time to read the book. Use this time to pray. Use this time to try the art of fasting. It may be difficult for a little bit. But it is a powerful tool that will draw you closer to God. And God said, if you'll draw closer to him, he'll draw closer to us. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for a man like the Apostle Paul. 
God, I find myself at times feeling sorry for him for all that he went through. God, what a miserable life it seems to have been. Seems like he probably never lived a day that something wasn't hurting, something wasn't broken. He was, he was either hungry or thirsty or beaten. He was persecuted. He was, he was cursed out on a daily basis. He was thrown out of cities. God, it just it seems like nothing ever went good, but to look at the way he talks about it, life was perfect. Everything in life was great, and the only reason is because he placed all of his hope in you. And God, I pray you'd give us that kind of wisdom, that kind of vision, that kind of perspective to place all of our hope in you. God, I pray as this time carries on, your word says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God, we pray for wisdom. I pray you'd give us wisdom through this time. But God, I pray you'd help us to draw closer to you. And may you draw closer to us. God, the world's had this social media for a long time. The world has used this stuff to put out filth. The world has used social media to bring garbage into the privacy of our own homes, to send stuff into our cell phones and put garbage in our pocket that shouldn't even be around us. The world has used it long enough. And God, I pray you take this time and help us as the church to take over social media. May we flood it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we cover the world with your gospel through social media. I pray that every time a Facebook opens, somebody's preaching. Every time a YouTube video pops up, somebody's talking about the goodness of God. Somebody's praising him for being saved. God, I pray, Father. I know you put this here for a reason, and it'll be for our good and for your glory. God, I pray you'd get all the glory for this. And I pray that you'd take every form of social media. I pray you'd help every church to up our game, to step up and to be better at it, God. That we might tell a lost and dying world about the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us, God. Help us, God, to be pleasing to you, to be useful to you. May we be anointed with your Holy Spirit that people may see Christ in us, God. We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you so much. Lord willing, we'll pick up right here next Wednesday night.